Good morning, LL Nation. What it do? This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am your guy, SD2 Mike Sean Davis, the original Lucky Lefty himself. Bam, that dude over there. Malik Zaire, we are brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. Only at AnoraWhiskey.com. Today, we have special guest Mike Golick Jr. is going to be joining us around 10 a.m. Talk Notre Dame. He was right at the beginning of the rise of Notre Dame. So played in a championship game. So we'll talk about that in 2012. Talk about his thoughts. And we'll ask him which cookie would he rather dunk in mayonnaise. You know, you saw him during the Mayo Bowl. He dunked an Oreo in mayonnaise. So we're going to ask him, which cookie would you rather dunk in mayonnaise? Chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin? We're going to ask him. It's a a question that the fans want to know. The nation wants to know. The nation wants to know. We're going to talk about All-American Bowl standouts coming to Notre Dame. Big week in practice down there. A couple of guys standing out that are coming to Notre Dame. Then we have some breaking news. And Malik, we're going to start the show with something we talked about yesterday. Might have had some confusion because we both were shocked by it. I know you didn't know until I mentioned it on the show. And then when I mentioned it, we kind of went into uh, what we do. You know, we are spontaneous and we have fun with things. Some people took it the wrong way. Like we were saying that Marcus Freeman got rid of uh, someone that was on the staff at Notre Dame. But I want you to go ahead and clarify that, clear that up, and then let people know something we have coming down the pipe in the future. So, yeah, sorry I got mistaken, but we definitely didn't say that he was uh, let go as if, you know, he's clearing house. Uh, he was actually asked to stay, talking about Aaron Kearney, the director of recruiting. He was asked to stay, but he chose to leave. You know, he wanted to spend more time with his family, which is, um, you know, like I was telling him, it's, it's, it's hard to be able to make a mature decision like that because obviously you're thinking about making money and keeping people um, afloat with your job and stuff. So for him to be able to walk away from such a hard ask because, you know, right now I feel like we're trending upwards in that department specifically. And, you know, that group is going to be very busy. So I already understand, you know, what he chose to walk away from. But also he's also going to be able to come on the show tomorrow and we can talk more into how in-depth recruiting actually gets and probably why he walked away. I mean, I know it's probably hectic uh, day in and day out because recruiting has turned into a 24-hour thing. So there you have it. Former director of recruiting for Notre Dame, Aaron Kearney, will be here on the Lucky Lefty podcast tomorrow to give you an inside peek to what it takes from start to finish to recruit a young man to want to be at the University of Notre Dame as a football player. So that's what we do. We spend it different. We give you great content. We're going to continue to give you great content. Mike Golden Jr. later on today, former director of recruiting Aaron Kearney Kearney tomorrow. And then we got some big things we're working on that we hope come to fruition because it will be absolutely amazing 
for you fans to be able to hear from these particular individuals. So let's start off with the must-haves. The must-haves for the 2022 offseason. That's good. What are, you, what are you thinking when I say, man, this is a must-have? I think you have a top four list, don't you? I have a top four. I have a top four wish list. It's more of a wish list because, you know, we have no connection to what their Notre Dame recruiting office is actually doing. Mm-hmm. And even if they, we could know, I wouldn't want to because predicting is way more fun. And so this is what my wish list would be if things would be able to, to work out. One of those is the Mario Root, Loot Runner. I think uh, – that's a dynamic athlete. We've seen him at Oklahoma uh, go crazy. And I think he's kind of one to take more of the route of what Caleb Williams is taking and just testing the free, free agency waters. You saw how Caleb also said he was thinking about going back home to Oklahoma. Uh, it's still open to even come back. So I think they're on the same mission with that. But I would love to give him a call. You're talking about a guy that could uh, be a boost in that slot position, which we have uh, we know we got some experience with Avery Davis, but to have a bona fide guy that can do a little bit more than what a Chris Tyree can from the past, I think it can also focus Chris Tyree more on special teams so he can play punt return. But overall, I think that's a, a, a dynamic guy. You're talking about changing the culture of the receiver room from a, a urban stance. You know, he got 100,000-something followers. You know, wear all the, the, the fly receiver swag off the field, something that could boost the receiver room from a, a perspective. You know, a lot of what we think of the receiver room right now is uh, future class presidents like Corey Robinson. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that meant, that's an attractive to some people, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm going to put it to you like this. <laughs> and I tweeted this out yesterday. That Uber, luxury Uber, should have been headed to Evanston yesterday <laughs> at like 9 a.m. That's right, because he was on my list too. Like, immediately, immediately come on down. Like, your name is up on the Price is Right for transfer portals coming to Notre Dame. Brandon Joseph. Houston Griffith comes back. So, and I'm not mad at him coming back. No. It's an immediate immediate addition that settles the position, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And if you want to rock with him in Houston as a duo, you'll have a veteran duo. You have a playmaker and Brandon. And then your youngsters can give you your depth if that's how you want to rock it. I feel much more comfortable going into the horseshoe Game one, with those four on the back end, then, you know, where we stand currently. And then – Because right now, I mean, that's what the back end needs is is experience, speed, and a little bit of size. Yes. And this kid is – I mean, Brandon Joseph was 6'1", 200. Man, fantastic. Can play the slot. I don't know if you saw the Big Ten championship game, the interception he had one hand. Yeah. In the yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when you talk about discipline and a fit, he can't be much of a bigger fit. I mean, he's coming from a discipline, Ivy League type of program like Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So that Notre Dame fit is is identical, along with Ben Skoranek, and then along with the fact that he's physical enough and dynamic enough for a position that in a defense that's going to be really good, his transfer portal makes sense on both sides, you know, on both sides. And I actually reached out to a good friend of mine, Ted Albrecht, former NFL player, Chicago Bears. He is the color analyst on the radio side for Northwestern football and WGN radio. This is what he had to say about Brandon Joseph. He's very savvy, high football and everyday IQ. He anticipates very well, always in the right place at the right time. He was a third leading tackler, well-respected as he was a captain, big loss for the secondary, for the defense and the entire team. He has a wonderful attitude, great locker room guy, and a big-time leader who will be sorely missed. Oh, by the way, he's a hard worker, too. I'll take him. Especially over when we lose a guy like Shane Simon. Yeah. You bring a guy in that may not be as tall, but has got the same type of build, and you don't really miss that part in the recruiting. When you go into that room, you still be like, okay, we got some talent. Now, let me go on to this, bro, right? I know you mentioned, you know, the wide receiver, excuse me, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. I'm hearing a lot of buzz and I'm digging because he's a local kid. And the reason I think there was a piece in the athletic that broke yesterday afternoon talks about Jim Harbaugh returning to the NFL. And it's a strong possibility. So when you see all of these players at Michigan entering the transfer portal, you start to say, hmm, man. Because it really didn't make sense. Like, man, you, you just left the college football playoff. You have a five-star local kid, J.J. McCarthy. Not local to Michigan, but, I mean, local to the Chicagoland area. From IMG, five-star quarterback coming back next year. Young, talented wide receiver. Why is A.J. Henning thinking about transferring? Why did a linebacker and a defensive back immediately jump into the transfer portal? I think this thing with Jim Harbaugh is real. I think what they say, possibly the Raiders, possibly the Raiders. He has a long standing relationship with the Davises, long standing. Interesting. And the Raiders need, yo, after the debacle of John Gruden, they just need stability. Well, new stadium in Vegas, you have to swing big if you're Mark Davis. You have to. You can't go get some coordinator and give him, you know, opportunity as a first-time guy. That's 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 not the right away. It's not. It's not the right away. And I think the Jim Harbaugh news is real. And I think this I think it's gonna be a lot of defections from that roster if and when it becomes official. 
next Monday morning, which is Black Monday, which is important because Black Monday normally would have been two days ago. And we really would have had movement. But the NFL added the extra game this year. Yep. So now it's an extra week, which makes the greatest weekend of football ever null and void, which would be yeah. this weekend. This weekend will be wild card weekend mm-hmm. going into the national championship game. Oh my That's the way it's been. Now it's just football meaningless going into the national championship game. So very interesting. When that report broke in the athletic, the severity of it, uh, I, I know the Bears have had interest. I don't know how serious it is, but they've had interest in him before. I've said this, Ryan Day's name has been connected to the Bears for at least two months now, for at least two months. And he may stay at Ohio State. All I'm saying is, come Monday, the fight, the smoke is going to start coming up. That's right. From a lot of places. And if you think the transfer portal was hot this week or is going to continue to stay hot, next week, once the big dogs are done, <laughs> the coaches really start moving around, then you'll really see what's going on with the transfer portal. So another I, position. Let me go ahead. Yeah, I, I, building on that, I mean, I think a, a, something that nobody's really talking about much is Brendan Rice, the receiver out of Colorado. I know we talked a lot about how yeah. Marvin Harrison's son, Marvin Jr., uh, is at Ohio State and how well he looks. Well, another kid that has a son in the college football, Jerry Rice's son from Colorado, actually has a lot of talent. And with his size and just I already know he has the work ethic. I don't know how he started at Colorado, but I think Notre Dame will be not only a great fit, but from a recruiting standpoint, anytime you get Jay Rice around the the, the campus, something's got to change in that side of it as well. You're right. We just had Sean Miller, cornerback, four-star from Auburn, jump into the portal this morning. Uh, you talked about Mario Williams, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, who was absolutely fantastic. He had a big time. Well, he would have had – he had one touchdown in the Alamo Bowl. Would have had two. He broke the tackle and the DB snapped his helmet off. And the rule is once your helmet comes off, yeah, he's dead. So he would have had two touchdowns in the Alamo Bowl. Um, so he's gone. And the thing with this is it's not so much – Sometimes in the transfer portal, it is about the schools that originally recruited you and the relationships you had. Yeah. That can mean something. And then sometimes that doesn't mean anything. And kids are looking for, like you said, they I'm not going to Oklahoma to then go to a school with a platform that's less than. Like yeah, I'm, so Oklahoma, I'm looking to go to I'm looking to go to a Notre Dame. I'm looking to go to an Alabama and a big platform. And I was able to at least experience both of those situations, uh, being close to Paul Chris um, during my recruitment through high school. I was thinking of going to Wisconsin or wherever he was at. He ended up going to Pitt the year I committed to Notre Dame, but I had taken that visit to Pitt because of him. So when I had to do, do my second recruitment, Wisconsin was a very, very um, top school that I was thinking about. I even 
took a visit up there before, but at the at the same time, you know, coming from Notre Dame, I wanted an opportunity to play in SEC at Florida, which I, it just at the time it was just a better better move for what I wanted to do. But I was able to experience the calling on guys that I was relying on during the high school recruitment that still had uh, uh, that reached out, you know. So those relationships still exist, and it was good to be able to get that openness to play again for those guys. But, uh, you know, at the same time, like you said, you know, when you're leaving a situation like Notre Dame, I'm thinking a championship. You know, I didn't think at the time Wisconsin was at the level where Florida was coming up for two SEC championships was in position. So I was, I had to, I had to end up going to Florida. So, and it was another, didn't someone actually come to South Bend? That's when Zion came. That's when Zion came from Auburn, came to uh, South Bend Airport and went to the hotel across the street. And that was another opportunity, you know, and it was just something about Florida at the time where I had the right things going on. And But, yeah, that the, the recruiting gets real, mate. Now, I don't think that with it being so big now, coaches will be flying around like, for instance, Gus Malzahn flew for me. They might do it for Caleb. You know, I mean, I would do it for Caleb, but in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. So, with it being so many people now, it's probably a little more organized from how schools communicate. But uh, back when it first was hot, I mean, it was kind of really more of the Wild West than it is now. And speaking of Caleb Williams, you know, we have a couple of questions in the chat that I may bring up, but um, I, I would say this, and I want to get your thoughts. Great article written by Brian Driscoll on Irish Breakdown where he feels like Notre Dame should not reach out to Caleb Williams. And he said as talented as he is, he feels like moving forward, Notre Dame needs to set its own precedent with identifying quarterbacks and developing their own quarterbacks as a top-notch program. And honestly, as I slightly disagree I slightly agree with that because I, I do believe, like, yo, regardless of whether or not they call them, you still need to get Dante more and you still need to develop. You know what I mean? So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's mutually exclusive. You know, yeah, not one yeah, necessarily yeah. cause another. Thing. It still needs to happen, but in the meantime, and even if you call them, Tyler Buckner still needs to be developed. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I definitely agree that the narrative surrounding the quarterback room in-house needs to be changed, and that needs to be worked on, and that's paramount. But the opportunity, if he was interested, which he is not, the opportunity just would be too great to elevate the program immediately. Oh, man. We become, we become national contenders with one transfer with Caleb Williams. And, oh, man, that would be a barn burner against Ohio State. That's, that's all I would say. That would be I'll a put barn money on us. I'll put money on us. Yeah, because you, you love Caleb. You absolutely love Caleb. So. I just think, you know, when you're talking about giving getting a chance against a defense of those top – two or three caliber, you need a guy that if you don't have a running game, if 
what you game plan didn't go as game planned in the game, mm-hmm. this guy could get you out of that situation and, and turn it into something positive. So yeah. there's few guys in the country that can do that. Maybe Tyler can be that guy. Yeah. But you can tell right off the bat guys that can do it like CJ Stroud, your Bryce Young's. I believe Caleb's in that um that room at least that I can know that if we didn't have, for instance, Jack Cohn proved that he wasn't that guy, that if we didn't have a run game, can he throw the ball 70 times and win? No. Do I think that with Caleb, if we gave him 70 opportunities in a game, I don't even think he would take as many throws because he would have some big explosive runs in there. You know, some of the passes that he puts on the money, you know, a lot, a lot of different things would happen, but, I do believe that he's one of the few guys in the country that can give us a chance against Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, if what we thought was going to work didn't work. So with Tyler, I think he has the ability to make plays, but we'll see this season with a full game. Are they going to trust him? Or are they going to try to throw somebody else in at the same time? Yeah. Oh, lucky Lucky Podcast talking about transfer portal, the must-haves in the offseason. Mike Oleg Jr. coming up at the top of the hour. Let's get to a couple of comments. Matt Anderson, all this talk about Caleb Williams. What would that do to Tyler's confidence to get passed over? And maybe Williams doesn't have the grades for Indy. We talked about this yesterday. We got to stop going to – We got to stop this grades thing. Grades thing as Notre Dame fans. Like <laughs> – he had the grades when he was in high school. So this is an intelligent kid. It's, it, stop falling for that. Like, just really, man. Like, the majority of these kids that are five stars and four stars have the grades. That was a narrative that was put out there to make an excuse for why they, the former, just chose not to. Recruit. Kids or go after kids in a transfer portal. Now, there are certain rules with transfers at Notre Dame, just not athletes, just students in general. So that that may be the case, like number of credit hours and all of that. But saying somebody might not have the grades, it's just time out for that. It's time out for that. You know, when you see the middle linebacker who's a five-star for Alabama as an academic All-American, when they flash that up in the ACC championship game, he's a top one, two round pick. Then you see uh, Nicobe Dean and Tyndall, the two middle linebackers for Georgia. that are engineering majors. We always joke, well, if you go to Georgia, you're definitely not taking some real classes. They're both engineering majors with 3.9 GPAs. It's like, dude, those days are done. Like, stop. These kids are smart. <laughs> they have ex- more access to information and education than they were previously given. The kids are bust out of their neighborhoods to school, charter schools. It's a different day. And the athlete is just not, just because they're a really good football player, they're not just a dumb job. They're just not. And we got to get over that and stop putting that on kids, especially when it comes to Notre Dame. Like, and we could care less that he doesn't want to come to Notre Dame. We would love for him to be at Notre Dame, but we could care less. Because the bigger issue is they didn't recruit him out of high school. That's the issue. And that's the one thing we keep saying to the fan base. You have been lied to 
the former never went after big time talent. But they kept telling you, you know, they're not a fit. Some of these guys are not a fit. It was a flat out lie. They just flat out never went out and went after the big time talent in, co in college football and high school football. They didn't. They talked big. What they did was they sat at the little kids' table and they ear hustled the adult table, trying to sound like they know what's going on at the adult table. All the while, they're at the little kitty table. Eating small potatoes. Eating small potatoes. And that's what it's been like as a Notre Dame fan. That's what we've been experiencing. Getting grown folk conversation. Meanwhile, we're going out there operating like a, a mom and pop store on mm. the corner. When we're Walmart. Yeah. So well, it's like I mean, now we're conditioned. Every time a kid says no, oh, he must not be a Notre Dame fit. That's not it. But I do think it has changed in some sense because we are recruiting a Dante. Uh, how seriously are we recruiting Dante is is the next question, but I think it has changed. I mean, if you're not getting Caleb, but you're recruiting Dante, that's some of the similar talent, you know. So I think yeah. that is a positive outlook, but now it's about how serious – is it as serious as it was for Angeli? Is it as serious as it was for Tyler Buckner? So I think, uh, you know, that, that must-have with Dante Moore is, is another um, – probably more reasonable ask from the football gods, but I think this is a better fit as well. I mean, you got three or four years with this kid. Uh, this would be, I think Tyler has some NIL opportunities, but I think with a, with how the rules have gotten so far, how kids are doing it now, I think even Dante Moore is going to have a huge chance for some NIL opportunities. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's an, it's a chance for Notre Dame to use this recruiting office, are we too big to be like the panhandlers and duffel bag carriers of the SEC? To are we too big to give out money? Are we or or, or is there a more Notre Dame way to recruit during the NIL era? So, um, I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. And this is honestly, we're more than likely on the back end, and I don't know anything. More than likely, we're on the back end of the legacy of Jack Swarbrick. So he wants his legacy to be laid out a certain way. He's already updated the facilities. The football program has already gotten back to the respectability and the national acclaim that it deserves. And it's still more to do. But I think he wants that national championship that he can walk out the door on. I really believe that. And in the next two years, hopefully Marcus Freeman can bring that. But you know, like you said, everything that's been done for recruiting, uh, you see the 2023 recruits, they have their own picture. They've been tweeting it, recruiting like crazy, saying, come join us. Peyton Bowen going hard at his teammate, Jackson Arnold. Another uh, linebacker from a school out of Denton, Texas, David Hill, tweeted out yesterday that he got his offer. Five-star linebacker, but I thought five-star linebackers from the South don't want to come to Notre Dame. You, you hear what I'm saying? Like, oh, we could never get a five-star linebacker out of the South. No, we can't steal him from Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama. Well, guess who's going after? Guess who got up from the kiddie table and walked over to the grown folks' table and pulled up a chair like, I'm here. 
Marcus Give me Freeman. that gravy over there. Hand me that gravy over there. That gravy. Hand it to me. That's some potatoes. Give me one of the steaks, one of the ribeyes. What's good? What are we talking Big about? Big piece of chicken. Big piece Absolutely. of chicken. Absolutely. And that's what you have to do. That's why we said yesterday he's swinging big, just not on coaches. He's swinging big on recruits, and he's letting everybody know, yeah, we lost in the Fiesta Bowl. We're still here. We're still doing what we said we were going to do. That's right. Now what? That's right. Now and what? That, and, that's, and, that, and, that, and that's what you need because then you recruiting guys like that. You get guys like Peyton Bowen who help mm-hmm. manage your job when you not can't be everywhere. Yeah. So now you've got an ace in the hole with a Peyton Bowen that's reaching out to guys. So you have multiple places at once, but it's because you're shooting for the stars. We landed amongst Peyton's and the Tyson Fords and the five-star linebackers, which is, you know, in my opinion, yeah, you better get a five-star linebacker. You're the ultimate linebacking head coach. (laughs) If we had Tom Brady as a, a head coach, he better be getting the number one quarterback. So, from a from a recruiting standpoint, you can say he's doing his job. You know, we're making headlines with recruiting defensively because we got a great defensive head coach. Now it comes down to even more uh, involvement with can we do the same script for the offense? Can Tommy be that superstar, uh, that superstar wave uh, for this recruiting class to get guys latched on? Getting a Dante Moore who'll start recruiting his own receivers. You know, right. sometimes it. When you a package deal, you coming with guys that already rock with you in high school. That makes offering and, and, and recruiting a lot easier when Dante can be like, hey, I need this kid, this kid, and this kid. What's up? Let's make it happen. You know, yeah, and I can't and, wait. Hey. Yeah, go ahead. I can't wait to talk to Aaron Kearney and see what really went into the Think Big campaign with the 23 class and how it came about because it's, it's genius. Yeah. You got the number one class in the nation right now and you have those those guys that have committed wanting to own that like we're number one come join us and when you see that it's like okay yeah let's do this and these are the type of classes that it takes to to get to those national champions to build those national championship blocks Mm -hmm. because now you've got a group that not only is well recruited as the number one class but now they're they're fitting chemistry together yeah so they have team chemistry coming in. They're going to shake up the starting roster spot, similar to what we did in 2012, 2013 with my class. When we came in, we had guys like Jalen Smith, Corey Robinson, Tarian Folsom. You know, you got Steve Elmer, guys that are making impacts. Cole Luke's, you got guys that make impacts the first, first time going out there. And that's, and that's huge, you know, because that raises the level of the whole team when the freshman class is coming in, getting playing time, taking reps from guys. So this is all a part of the plan that Marcus really wanted to put together in terms of competitive spirit. And it starts in recruiting. When the recruiting class that isn't even at school is competitive in getting more guys to be the number one in the country, it only can be uh, in turn the number one in the country when they get on the team. So that's the goal. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's. Malik Zayed, overtime Malik, talking about the must-haves in 2022. You must get a top-notch wide receiver coach. Must. We don't know how these dominoes are going to fall. 
Mm-hmm. We don't know if Brian Day leaves. We don't know if Brian Hartline becomes available. We don't know if he leaves, as Luke, if Luke Fickle is the next head coach. We talked about Holman from Alabama. Will he be open to leaving Alabama and coming to Notre Dame? We talked about the wide receiver coach at Purdue. At Purdue, yeah. Job he's done with Rondell Moore, David Bell. Getting a wide receiver coach that's respected is a must-have. With with professional development, you need someone that has that resume to say, yo, I just put Rondell Moore and David Bell into the NFL. What would you think of if we got, considering how now is such a popular thing with social media, what if we got like a superstar quarterback trainer as a quarterback coach like a Quincy Avery or a uh, one of these top guys in California, like a Clarkson, do you think that um, that's more of a new age type of hire, similar to how NFL teams are hiring these top male Kuiper type analysts, you know, to be their GMs? So maybe from a quarterback standpoint, these top quarterback coaches that coach Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields and all the guys that you're seeing in the league now, sort of how it George Winfield was or one of these left coast West athletics, you know, just one of these quarterback top trainers possibly being the quarterback coach. Cause then it's all about technique or even the top receiver coach. I know a, a lot of great receiver coaches that are like, you know, one off that guys go to in the off season. So maybe even going down that route, because at least, you know, they're going to get great technique work at least in practice. So you can't say we're not developing. You can't say now they may not be the, the biggest X and O guys, but trust me, there's a lot of eggheads at Notre Dame on that staff that love X and O's enough to, to go around. So I think having yeah. some, some guys on the team that are just straight technique people, you know, like Bayless is a, a strength coach. If we have just technique coaches, I think that'll get us a far way in development. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I don't know. And and the reason I say it'll be interesting is because I just saw that uh, Marcus Freeman was acknowledged for being a part of the Minority uh, Coaches Athletic Association. And uh, him and another coach uh, were acknowledged. Uh, Marcus Freeman actually took part in the NFL mock interview process. And he was acknowledged for that. So that was just something else he did <laughs> while he was out there in Arizona. And I think that's why he's trying to get, if you look at his targets, he's really trying to get opportunities on a big stage to guys that have been out there at smaller platforms and smaller schools putting it in. I mean, of course, Holman's at Alabama. There is no bigger platform than that. But I think that's what he's all about. So do I think he's about – about to go the route of gurus right now. I don't think so from a coaching standpoint directly. Now, from a consultant standpoint, it's a possibility. Yeah. But we've heard nothing about quarterback coach. And I think Tommy probably feels he can do both. Maybe he'll have an intern that basically is the quarterback coach that we really don't hear about and that works with the quarterbacks while he's dealing with the offense. 
But I mean, down the line, it, it, you know, definitely from a consultant standpoint, it will be good to have those names connected, to have that pipeline and connection to the young quarterbacks that are coming. Yeah, because how else, how else do you develop players just in general if you're not focused specifically on technique to get them better? I feel like just the nature of what it takes to be a defensive coordinator, a head coach, or an offense coordinator, you naturally just don't have enough time to spend on an individual position enough to give them the right development through a four-year process to even mm -hmm. be able to get ready to win championships, you know, unless they're just super out of the park, top tier gangster, number one picks, you know, it's hard to expect that much out of a, a 17, 15, 16 year old, or I'm sorry, 18, 19, 20 year old. That's, you know, when you're a pro, I get it. But when you're that young, you know, a helping hand will help. Yeah. So, you know, we don't do the we always say we don't do the passive aggressive troll thing. And you know, I've been trying to be nice the entire week since the bowl game, but you know, this person just, you know, we we love it, LL Nation. We must be doing a good job. Cause it's been a ton of Oklahoma State fans watching us. <laughs> it's a Notre Dame podcast, but they're complaining about the fact that we don't talk about Oklahoma State enough. That's, That's really crazy. weird, right? They're begging us. Please talk about Oklahoma State. You're not giving Oklahoma State enough credit. We don't care about Oklahoma State. Yeah, we're not here to – yeah, we don't think you're that good anyway. Well, you said that. All I'm saying is is we don't care because this is a Notre Dame podcast. Like, That's true. Our job every day is to talk about Notre Dame and get Notre Dame content. That has zero to do with Oklahoma State. So this guy, Wet Blanket, that's been on every single – Conversation thread. <laughs> you can have all the talent in the world, but it won't matter unless they are coach. Good luck. Absolutely, I agree. So go yeah, get another coach because Mike Gundy has failed consistently because you haven't gotten to a college football playoff. You haven't been a serious contender for the college football playoffs since this year, and with all the talent he has, he hasn't gotten the job done. So I agree. Go get another coach. You're right. Go get another coach. I agree. When they about to firing for some some lightweight uh, team dysfunction or something crazy? Yeah, when you, you just said it better, you couldn't have said it any better. You're right. I wouldn't talk about championships then. Y'all talking about you guys, about you guys OA, OA or something like that. You finally had a team that didn't choke with all the talent on offense that you had over years. You finally had a team that didn't choke and give away an opportunity to get to a New York Six Day Bowl. Right, cool. I think the last time they did something, didn't they beat like Stanford and Andrew Luck before? Well, once, well, once game. Texas and Oklahoma leaves the Big Twelve, they won't even be on TV. So something like that. It's okay. like, dude, you're right. You're right. Go get a coach that won't get that won't be ill prepared facing a first time head coach in a bowl game and get dominated in the first half. Yes, I agree. Go get a coach, a 13 year vet that won't do that. That won't get out coached by vet by first time rookie head coach in the first half. Yes, go get another head coach. Go get him. Go get bone picking to cut the check, and go get a better coach. Otherwise, you're gonna have the same type of success that Notre Dame had to suffer. No, you won't. Matter of fact, the former coach of Notre Dame went to two college football playoffs, didn't he? Two. Didn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you're happy that you barely beat a Notre Dame team without his two playmakers. You're ecstatic. Stillwater's like, woohoo! Y'all, first of all, y'all been begging to get on the yo, your own coach said you've been begging to get on our schedule to get the look and help the program. Because obviously the program and the brand must be suffering. Hey, they I'm sorry, Notre Dame fans. I got time today. He's been asking for it. He's been asking for it. So He's been asking for it. Then you know what he did? He threatened to unsubscribe. He, he tried to say that. So you want me to unsubscribe? I don't care. You're an Oklahoma State fan. I don't care what you do. But what you're not going to do is you're not going to be free to troll and not get exposed. We don't do that. Not in the Lucky Lefty podcast. Not at this one. If you, man, what did your parents tell you? Wherever you act up at, that's why I'm going to yeah. get you. You act up in public, I'm going to get you in public. So I had time today. You wanted to troll publicly, I'm going to put you on Front Street on our podcast. If you choose to unsubscribe, that's cool. We don't care. We hope you enjoy. Obviously, you've been here all week, so you must like the content. That's all right. And if you keep waiting for us to talk Oklahoma State football, we're not. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. I want to talk. Uh, we're more concerned uh, about Notre Dame football. That is true. And we can talk. There's enough content for us to talk Notre Dame football without bringing up drug school. And I'm going <laughs> to be nice. I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot more I can say. But I think I'm going to leave it right there. That's enough. Did it justice. That's enough. I see people in the chat saying I got the red hat on. You know, the red hat must mean something. So let's get to some All-American bold practice talk. Billy Shrouth, offensive guard, coming to Notre Dame, has been dominant in the one-on-ones, according to reports. Oh, before we get to that, also, we want to let you guys know there have been several crystal balls. Um on 247, we have to give him credit that Brandon Joseph is going to choose Notre Dame and is very interested in Notre Dame. So he has had, I think, two to three crystal balls say that he's going to choose Notre Dame in the process in the transfer portal. So that, that sounds good. Billy Shrouth is looking good. Uh, Tyson Ford actually got down there yesterday uh, for practice. And... Um, like we said, Billy Shrouth is dominating. Tobias Merriweather and one-on-ones. There's video going around of him going up, high pointing the ball in the end zone. I didn't I didn't realize I was watching the video. Yo, he can run. He can run. He can run. Surprising. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? If you add the veteran wide receivers, some more veteran wide receivers and you bring Avery Davis back, you know, he can just be one of those impact freshmen like Lorenzo Styles was. Yeah, and, and hopefully even more in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Get more in the game than Lorenzo Styles his first year just because with what he can add mm-hmm. as a person that defenses aren't keying on because he's a freshman can give us some opportunities downfield, especially in that position that can be upgraded. Avery Davis has done a good job. Come back off an injury, being a little older, 
it'd be nice to get some fresher legs at that position. Because yeah. Styles needs to be in inside, outside, you know, in the backfield. <laughs> Big Styles fan. Yeah, we need to use him everywhere. And then you got a kid like Billy Stroud who is doing a good job of just carrying that lineage. You know, yeah. when, when Quentin Nelson was down there, he was giving them hell. Billy Stroud down there doing the same thing. And a lot of that, too, is we get the right type of guys when Harry he stands in the building. You know, not just good linemen. We get the the super crazy but really disciplined ones, too. You know, right. so finding that mix of having a, a all-around guy at a position is the key. And I think that's, you know, has to be infectious to other position groups like what we talked about. So let's get to a couple of super chats. Real Sports Talk with Alex. How are you doing this morning? Peyton Bowen putting in work with recruiting, really the entire class of 2023, reaching out to top high school talent. I love this culture change under Freeman. LL fam, have a great or a good day. We appreciate you. And these are the moments we're supposed to enjoy, you know, because if you, look at other coaches, if you look at other coaches that go into schools, when is the last time you've seen these coaches turn and they're recruiting around to get number one? You know, so these are the small victories and the bricks that are laid in getting into a championship. If for, for a first-year head coach to beat right now Nick Saban and Ohio State and Kirby Smart at their own game and recruiting, and this is not even your full offseason yet, you're definitely saying something for the season that's coming after. Absolutely. Michael Graves, appreciate you. Read him them tea leaves. Uh, you know what, man? People don't know. I'm, I was gracious, you know. I was, I was gracious. I was talking back and forth with Wet Blanket in the comments after the show. And it's like, yo, he keeps begging for attention. Like, still now, you won't talk about, you won't give us credit for the comeback. 35, <laughs> give us credit. Dude, go. Don't you have an Oklahoma State podcast? Yeah. You can get all the credit for the comeback there. You get you get nothing here. We're nothing. all Notre Dame all the time. And you get nothing and like it. You get nothing here. That has nothing to do with being poor sports. Why would I waste time talking about Oklahoma State when I have a ton? Dude, we don't get to all the Notre Dame content we have written down every day. You see all this stuff I got written down? I'm not gonna get to all of that. <laughs> this is not, we can do two hours on Notre Dame. There's no need to mention Oklahoma State, but I had I time for you today. I see you're not talking that coach talk no more. I had time for you today. But I will say this. You were this close. You haven't been the one but you were this close to making to the college football playoff. But you came up short. Came up short. Came up a little bit short. You're never going to be back for a while. I'm trying to get to these super chats. Uh, Sean, can we talk about ECU? That's why I'm here. Uh, at wet blanket, congrats on your win. Next time, be a different story. No, I doubt it. 
we probably, I mean, unless he's in the college football playoff, we probably never play him again. Because we, we don't want them on the regular season schedule. Mike Cundy's been begging us. He said he's been begging us. And we're booked up to 2028. So Mike Gundy won't even be there. Yeah, he has to call. He has to call the front desk. And since they won't, you know, since the Big 12 won't be the Big 12 anymore. Yeah, they're not, they're not even gonna be a T, they're not gonna get no TV time. Texas yeah, and Oklahoma leave. Playing them does nothing for us. Not in the regular season. You know, I'm not hurt at all. Hurt. We got the number one. Let me see what Oklahoma State's uh Recruiting ranking is. I know we're number one. <laughs> he go to Oklahoma State all day today. You agree? Recruiting ranking is. What do you think, bro? Shout out to I want to give flowers to. Um, I think it was seventy five to seventy eight that uh, Russ Browner. Yeah, Russ Browner, man. Yeah, he's a Warren, Ohio guy. Around you, uh, passed away. Uh, Notre Dame legend, first round pick. I think he was the eighth all overall pick in '79. And uh, yeah, shout out prayers and condolences to his family and to his loved ones. And uh, we appreciate what he meant to the Notre Dame family and what he meant to the National Football League. Uh, yeah, we want to send our uh, prayers out to the entire Browner family. Uh, straight up, straight up. Yeah, we definitely oh. on here. What'd you say? I said we definitely on here, man. I mean, you know, Ross Browner, man, whenever you lose a legend like that, it definitely just impacts the program in mad respect to, you know, another Ohio legend just carrying a torch, man, just carrying a torch. Oh, that's what's up. Oh, man, my fault. Oklahoma State's ranked number 26. <laughs> My fault. My fault. My fault. My fault. See, we got to give Oklahoma State the five-second rule, Sean. Yeah, you know. They played They played the B squad, you know what I'm saying, with a full tank and barely beat us, and now they want to come on our show and talk grizzly. I don't, and no, there's no need to block them. We don't do that. There's no need to block them. There's no need to. He's, he's 0-1 against Gundy, and he's still going to get to more college football playoffs than Mike Gundy. Still. That's the thing. He, he's 0-1 against Mike Gundy. Hold on to that, because I guarantee you over the next five years, Marcus Freeman will make more college football playoffs than Mike Gundy. In a short time. In a short time. It ain't gonna oh, take 13. You can, have, you can have 13 years, the long hair. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm 40. I'm a man. Mess with me. Talk to me like that. You can have right. all of that. That's right. It means nothing. We care less. I told you I had time today. Time I had today. My co host had no idea this was coming. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I had time today. I got time today. You can keep messing with me. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you right where you at. Jay Clampett. Woo! Like the uh Beverly Hill Billies. Judd Clampett Investments. Thank you for the super chat. Malik, when you're gonna check Sean, the all tonight's were legit in football and hoops. 
Sean, you need to recognize. Wait a minute. Yeah, See, I, let me I, tell I, you. Let me tell you. About the conversation we had yesterday, and we yeah. man, we have a special guest coming on. I want to see how they chime in with this because it literally <laughs> depends upon the school, right? If if your high school is a football factory, the football players will pull more girls. Listen. And if it's a basketball factory, the basketball team pulls the better girls. It's simple. You're talking about one of the greatest high schools in America. The alternate high school. Here we go. Archbishop Alter in Kettering, Ohio, my high school. We have the greats that went there Nick Mangold, Jeff Graham, Chris Borland. Uh, oh, and we have one of the greatest, John Paxson. Let's not, let's not, let's not, let's minimize my small school of 700 in the whole school, but we produce giant results. You know, we produce giant, Notre Dame quarterbacks, presidents, whatever you want. You're talking about something special. So, yeah, I mean, we out here, shout out all tonight. And also, when it comes to basketball, we might have to say something to you guys down there in Chicago. We got Javon Simmons, who's on the Michigan basketball staff, that had a lot to tell you. I mean, we were we were really good all around the board, man. Let me tell you what. See, now you're reaching with five fouls. <laughs> now you're reaching with five fouls. You're doing too much. Let's welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Uh, ESPNs, you can catch them every day, Shanae and Golick Jr., and also former Notre Dame offensive lineman Mike Golick Jr. Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Appreciate you having me. Nothing like coming back in. The most prevalent thing in any college football locker room is like the revisionist high school trash talk of everyone lining up their old high school team and talking about who would beat who. Like between that and the LeBron Jordan debate, I knew nothing could fire up any section of the locker room, just like sprinkling a little bit of that in. No but, way. It's, yeah. it's no way to even uh, it's no way to even solve the argument. It's a forever going whose high school is better. Well, and that's the best part of like, I mean, that's the foundation of what we do in like sports talking in the media, right? It's like a bunch of arguments that no one can ever actually settle. Right. And that's what will continually till the end of time piss the most people off. So, <laughs> Well, we're hoping you can settle a big time argument on Lucky Lefty Podcast because we are, and we don't know if you know this, we are a chocolate chip oatmeal raisin podcast. That, <laughs> is, that is the ultimate debate. Now, we saw you go viral, dunking an Oreo. At the Mayo Bowl in Mayonnaise. So if you had a choice, which one would it be? Would you dunk the chocolate chip or the oatmeal raisin? It's only Mayo one Bowl? right answer. It's only one right answer. Oh yeah, it's chocolate chip. Oh, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even a question. Oatmeal, oatmeal raisin. Like that's like you bite. Like don't get me wrong. Oatmeal raisin cookies. They got their place in the kingdom. It's it's certainly it somewhere mean. below the chocolate chip, folks. Though, like most <laughs> people when they bite. Yeah, most people, when they bite into an oatmeal raisin, they're expecting chocolate chips, and all of a sudden, they sink their teeth in it, and they get chewy chocolate chips. And like, damn. No. Why? Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, Mike, it's safe to say that the last month at Notre Dame has been a wave of emotions. And as a former player, what was it like for you, and what was the feeling having to experience it being connected to the university and possibly wanting something to happen, but then having to go and talk about it in the media. What was that like for you on a daily basis? Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting. Like I, I've now been doing this job in the media longer than I have done anything in my life consistently. <laughs> right. Like I was at Notre Dame for five years. 
I bounced around and tried to make NFL teams for three. And then I've been doing this for six now. So I feel like that distance has kind of helped. Like my 10 year reunions coming up for Notre Dame. So I've been out of there long enough to where I am still a fan. Anyone that has been around me on a Notre Dame game day understands like I am the worst version of myself because now that I can't affect outcomes, <laughs> I am stressed to the max during these things. But uh, Mike, are you like us? Uh, we talked about this the day before the Fiesta Bowl. I was telling everybody my wife and daughter have to leave the house. Like they, <laughs> oh, yeah. they have to get out. <laughs> I made the mistake. I've watched one game in like the last three years with people, and it was the Notre Dame Clemson win in South Bend for the Irish. Oh, but man. I was with my parents, and I scared the dogs. I was like drinking most of the time. It was like none of it was good. And I saw the look in my parents' eyes, realizing this was the young man that they had raised. And so I'm not gonna make that mistake anymore. I watched isolated by myself right. and I don't mess around with all that but all that to say like I think a little bit of the distance has made it easier for me to evaluate this situation right like I was there when Brian first got there in 2010 he was the second coach I was there you know Charlie Weiss had recruited me I had had him for two years and so I'd seen the beginnings I had seen the ways that this had grown but like you also understand now pulling back that 30,000 foot view the way I do as someone covering college football covering sports at ESPN is you see, all right, what Brian has done in 10 years, he leaves as the all-time winningest head coach in Notre Dame history, passes nuke bleeping Rockney, but there had still been that last barrier of being able to go and get the thing that had eluded him. They don't put statues up for you around Notre Dame Stadium unless you've won a national championship. And that had been the thing that had eluded Brian. And so when I did kind of the cost benefit analysis of this from his perspective, I said, all right, You've been to the BCS title once and lost. You've been to the CFP twice and lost, and it's never really looked close. And so I'm sure in his mind, after a decade plus at that spot, he felt like he had tapped into everything he was going to be able to. And those questions arise of, can you do this? Can you win a title at Notre Dame in modern football? And so he asked himself that question, saw a place in LSU where the previous three head coaches had won national championships and said, I might have a good chance to go in here and smash that last piece of the resume. So I could understand, even though emotionally, man, it's a little bit of a pride hit if you're someone involved in Notre Dame to see that. I can understand logically why Brian might make that decision. You know, you know what confused us is that after the fact, when we found out that he had gone to Jack Swarbrick in the middle of the season requesting more money or seeing if he could get more money after already – getting an extension the previous year. I think for most Notre Dame fans, when they found out that information, that's when they really start to feel like, okay, now I feel like you're playing us. It wasn't really about the money. It was about the fact that you couldn't get the money from us. So then you wanted to go look elsewhere. So I think that's what had a lot of Notre Dame fans feeling kind of jilted by Brian Kelly. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, and one again, it's a ten-plus-year relationship, Malik. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a lot of that emotion baked right. into it. Especially well, when, you, when you think about ten years, you think about the message. You, it's hard to keep up a same message of the four quarters of winning, of yeah. your, your everyday next man in. It's it's kind of hard to keep that up ten years. And plus, I think he saw the writing on the wall. I think he couldn't get over himself to make the changes necessary in modern football as in having a Trevor Lawrence type of guy or that level to really help the program in the ways it needed. And I think it was just too based off of what he saw those statues as and how they led those teams. And it's just a hard way to win. <laughs> it's with the it, kids that are around. 
It, it is. I'll give Brian credit in this. I think he did something really hard in modern college football. I and mean, we can look to his predecessor at, at Les Miles at LSU, one of the predecessors there. Les was given the charge back, you know, before he got let go there. Hey, you got to change and evolve this thing because we're watching Nick Saban do that. And if you don't, you'll get fired. Mm-hmm. And Les Miles did not have the capacity to change. After that four and eight season for Brian, though, he looked at a lot of the things inside this program. You know this. When Coach Longo got let go, I mean, that was a big thing. The strength and conditioning coaches that, you know, 1B for everyone in command in college football. And so seeing him make a lot of those changes, to me, and even, you know, personality-wise, what we saw him publicly change so much, listening more to guys like, that's hard to do for anyone. So I give him a ton of credit for that. But that is, you know, what you mentioned is that next step for Notre Dame is it's, we haven't seen a quarterback for Notre Dame go in the first round of the NFL draft in a while, be one of those top overall prospects. And and that combined with, you know, getting more depth at skill positions. Because we've all seen, like, man, tight ends, O-line, D-line, we got you. We got you covered gotcha. and all. We got you. Like, gotcha. we, we can recruit beef with the best of them. And we've had really good skill players, but you just see when you get on these big stages, the depth at some of those positions is, I think, where that next step is. And, and it's not something that I think is unattainable anymore, but – it was certainly, as like you said, we identify over 12 years or whatever ended up being kind of the, the consistent through line. Mike Gola Jr. from Sinead and Mike Gola Jr. joining us right here. You can hear him every day on ESPN Radio. This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis, Malik Zaire, the original Lucky Lefty himself. Mike, when you look at those 12 years and now we transition to what we call the MF era, which I love saying that, (laughs) MF era. That's right. That's how we're coming at college football. And I said, I'm not watching that Fiesta Bowl ever again, (laughs) ever. I'm done. And I'm like Marcus Freeman in his post-game comments. We're done with that. We're moving on. The honeymoon is over. Now it's time to go to work. You've been part of establishing a culture and establishing a winning culture that ended up going 12 years. What is it like as an athlete to to establish that culture? And how patient does the fan base need to be with Marcus Freeman to see the fruition and the benefits of what he's trying to establish? Very patient. Like, if you think you've got the right guy, you got, you know, you got to see it through. Like... (laughs) but uh you got you got to see it through but uh (laughs) you know what it's interesting too because this is a little more complex with marcus because it's not a full culture change here like you know when when brian came in and when charlie came in before him it was kind of this gradual build up to where they had been right when charlie came in after ty left things needed some help there when brian came in after charlie left they had had some success they had gotten to bcs games but you needed to you know, have that consistency borne out over more time. You have a lot of the same staff in place there. You've been able to keep the same strength staff in place, which we talked about as important. And I think more important than anything else, you've got a locker room that has done a ton of winning now. And Malik, I mean, you guys, you guys both know this. The establishing of a culture thing is just deciding what you're going to accept on a daily basis and then getting the results necessary to reinforce that to people. Because you can do the first part with the guys in the locker room of saying, hey, all right, like this is how we're going to operate here. Someone news come in that puts everyone on heightened awareness because once they make a change at the top, 
it kind of sends that message that, all right, if I was comfortable with the way things are, were, we got someone new calling the shots now. So I'm not guaranteed anything at this point. So it puts everyone up on edge. There is that newness in the honeymoon phase. But then it goes back to what these guys know, which is just like success is all these habits they've done, the little things every day, borne out over time. And the reason it's grown is because you know, we broke through originally. We had, you know, the, the the winning season in 2012. We had success after that work. Now you can point to the outside world. This is where someone like Joe Judge right now with the Giants is running into issues, right? He's talking about process, but he doesn't have results to back it up yet. And so it gets really hard to sell belief to people that are going to be coming from the outside into your program. But you, you combine those two. And now I think the advantage Marcus has walking into this is one, he's already earned the trust of that locker room in record time. You see the way you guys know this, like it's hard to come in in a year and do what he did and to get that response he did, especially when the guys liked the coach before that was there in Clark Lee. But now you've got a locker room that's bought into him and also is going to continue to set that tempo of, Hey, we know what works up to a certain point. Now the challenge for them is, we got to explore what it takes to get beyond that sticking point we found at the top. But that's where I think Marcus is going to have certainly an advantage is one, he's already got time under task here, but two, he's already got a locker room that kind of understands a lot of the built-in stuff that, you know, it takes to win. Now the third piece I would add is, is the recruiting side of things. Now, do you yeah. think that the hyper, the hyper drive or the thing that can really set up set Marcus Freeman specifically off in, in, in getting the culture established with results. How big is the Ohio State game and preparing for that and the 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 win in the in the shoe result to the culture being defined in the process? Yeah, I mean Notre Dame's gonna continue to be defined in the national stage by this big game narrative that's popped up here. You know, we saw at the bowl games, Owen Owen 10 and the BCS or title or CP, CFP games, like that's going to be a tough stain to rub off. And we got a little bit of that against Clemson the other year. But uh, again, you know, this is a, you know, I always say about trust, it's gained in drops and lost in buckets, right? Like we've tipped over the bucket a few too many times on the big stage for a lot of people. And so we got to put these big drops back in. And I think that early season matchup is going to be huge. I just think in general, though, what you mentioned about recruiting, we've already started to see change. Like that's that's the lifeblood of college football, right? You can only get to a certain point until you can recruit at the level that we've seen <laughs> Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Like yeah. at, at some point, football is a simple game and college football even more so. So that's been the biggest and I think most encouraging thing for a lot of people seeing Marcus come over and already have such an impact on these classes, the caliber of players they're already starting to pull in. That's the next step up in all this. And, you know, to Marcus's credit now, he has thrown himself fully into that. Like, everyone can get to him. He wants all the recruits to be able to talk to the head man. He wants to be involved in all that. And, you know, that's, I think, one, something we've seen successful, co you know, coaches do elsewhere. You see Nick Saban in all these living rooms. Like, when Nick Saban was out here having to do TikTok dances, you realize the game had fully changed, right? right. right. You give yourself to that. And so Marcus understands that. And the rest of it is going to be what we saw in the Fiesta Bowl is just learning these in-game situations for the first time. Do I think Oklahoma State was overall a better team than Notre Dame? No. But they got a coach who's been coaching for, what, almost 200 games on that other sideline and Mike Gundy, who made the necessary adjustments. And on the other side, we saw a coach going through his first collegiate football game as a head coach at 35 years old in the bleeping Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> like, that's an insane thing to think about. Even though he had been there that whole season, 
you plugged him into that head spot and everyone else had to do a little bit more and it just stresses a little bit differently and the chain of command looks different and so all of that like that 21 point lead like it's amazing that it, it wasn't big enough <laughs> but, ultimate, but ultimately, I think that loss is probably going to be a good thing because it kind of resets us to go, all right, this is the circumstance he came into here. It would have been insane for him to go out there and body bag Oklahoma State in that game in his first ever game. And it probably would have put this at a place that's even more unrealistic expectation-wise <laughs> than it's already been for him. So while I'm sure – and listen, we all want to win that game. We're all prideful. I, it could end up being a blessing because it kind of makes us all go, all right. There's work to do. We know that, but we believe we've got the people that are more than capable of it. That's the 100% truth. We tried <laughs> to preach that to the entire Notre Dame fan base immediately out the game. Like, we understand you're upset, but we just got shown who we really are. Yeah. So, so now we know where we're starting from and how far we have to go to get to where we want to be. Now we just have to trust that Marcus Freeman is going to do the right things to get us there. And you talked about the championship game in 2012. When you walked, before you walked on the field and after the game when you were walking off the field, did you think in 2022 Nick Saban would still have a stranglehold on college football <laughs> after that game? Man. I've learned that there are just some people you don't doubt, like yeah. Nick Saban, Tom Brady, LeBron James. I'm never going to be the one that steps up to be first in line to say this is the end of that person, yeah. especially yeah. with Nick, because it's not like it's predicated on his physical ability like he is. And I mentioned Brian being able to, you know, navigate change in the way that he had to approach things mid-career. Yeah. Nick Saban's the poster for that. Nick Saban yeah. has done this every way possible. With the amount, with an unholy amount of coaching turnover and the assistants around him, changes in the format of the sport, changes in the way we see offensive football played in college, NIL, all this stuff, and it doesn't matter. He is the most adaptable machine in college football. So, I, like as far as I'm concerned, I'm preparing to have to like explain to my kids one day as I send them off to college. All right, this you know this cyborg you're going up against is Nick Saban. He's been around for a long time. He has ended a lot of other people's careers in a way that sucks, and he's probably going to do the same to you. Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. So, in your opinion, Kurt Herbstreit went viral for some things he said, yeah. you know, on the set of ESPN Game Day, College Game Day. And in your thought, in the way you went through recruiting and the way you see these young people approach recruiting today, does it have anything to do with how they view football or the love for football, or is it just really that they have access to a lot more things to give their attention to? And that's what we see manifesting. You know, when you see them either jumping into the transfer portal after a year, um, sitting out bowl games, you know, flip-flopping from schools, even during the high school recruiting. Like, what is the main reason that the culture of college football and high school football sits where it is today? Money, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's the simplest answer that everything else trickles down from. And listen, you know, Kurt, Dez, all those guys, their teammates, I have a ton of respect for, you know, what they've done for college football and the way that they cover it. I just disagree with them, you know, wholeheartedly on the view of this because it's what you just mentioned. And I heard uh, Stephen Godfrey's a great college football reporter who brought this up and, and made me kind of realize the framework of this because the conversation started around bowl games and value and all these things. 
just the way everything's grown again, because money, because we can make money off of all this stuff. Back when Kirk and Des were in college, there were what, 15 to 18 bowl games as opposed to 43 now. It was different in the way that people viewed all of that. The places that you could be seen on TV, it's different now. But it, it, you mentioned all the things pulling at players. I just think they're more aware because they have to be, right? Recruiting in the last 15 years. So I haven't been recruited since 2007, 2006 when I was going through that process in high school. It, it's night and day. You've got to grow up so much faster now because all those camps that were spark starting when I was in high school, the spark camps, all these things that you went to yeah. to get exposure. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a different world now between that, the seven on seven leagues and these things that are seen as requirements for your entry into this process. If you want to be recruited, it forces you to make high level business decisions in the way that you approach this. Because again, now coaches aren't being paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. They're being paid multi millions of dollars. TV rights, all this stuff's in there means the stakes are higher for everyone, including these players, than a lot of them understand. My opportunity to change my life forever is getting to the NFL and getting the money that this game can give me. So that's at the core of all of this is I think guys are forced to treat this like a business at an earlier age because all the rest of us, the adults in the room, decided it was a business, saw there was money to be made in this process. Now players are just aware of that. And it's going to happen even sooner now with this NIL stuff. Like this is going to have an effect on this entire process in the way guys have to make decisions even sooner. So all this is just going to get sped up. But I have a lot of empathy for these players because, listen, as far as loving football, football's meant different things to different people for a long time. Malik, you – I mean, we've all played with guys oh, who didn't like football, but – but liked what football can do for them. Like that's been a consistent through time here. It, it's just now you've got so many other opportunities and avenues to explore those other things. Like you're not just locked into football. So I, I have a lot of empathy for guys because they've got to grow up a lot faster in the way they approach this thing as a business. So it doesn't just get to be Friday night lights for as long as it got to be for so many of us coming up. I, I think, that's just the difference, but it all trickles back to there's a ton of money that's been building up in the sport around these players. And they looked around and said, oh, wait, like we should be getting more of this. So now the NIL happens. Now player opt outs happen because they see what's on the other side of that NFL draft wall. All of this just goes back to the money has been building up in this thing for so long. And now players just looked around and are more aware of how to get their piece of that. Yeah. Can Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame be creative enough in this? Yeah, that was my question. To take advantage and, and create something in Notre Dame that can maybe not compete on the same level of giving guys fifty thousand just for being an old lineman in Texas, but something to be able to uh, be uh, attractive to, to recruits. I think Notre Dame has an extremely motivated and well-funded fan base that is extremely creative and more like I guess I think Notre Dame's capable. And like if we want to talk about the leadership of Jack Swarbrick too, I, I, I mean maybe the most important figure in Notre Dame football over the last decade. Like yeah. Jack Swarbrick is in every meaningful room where decisions are being made for the entirety of college football. Every time we got to read this stuff on air, it is the 10 conference commissioners and Notre Dame athletic director, Jack yeah. Swarbrick. That is a rare. And for something like, again, as we look around the room now, like Greg Sankey is, you know, the King Kahuna in that room of conference commissioners. All right. the rest of these guys are largely new. Like when you look at the yeah. PAC 12, the big 20, big 10, the ACC, Jim Phillips, you know, uh, George Klyovkov, all these guys are new guys. Kevin Warren is tenured in the alliance at two years, three years on the job now. So 
when you look, it's Greg Sankey and Jack Swarbrick are really the guys that are the tenured decision makers in the room. So if I'm going to trust someone to help us navigate, it's going to be the guy with the proven track record for sure. And I really hear that's the battle that's going on in that room between 8 to 12. Like the SEC wants 12 to assure they get more teams in. And most other conferences want an expansion to eight teams. And ultimately, the SEC being the big dog in the room can always walk away and just be like, all right, until you guys see what we want or do what we want, we won't sign on to it. And that's, <laughs> all, that's, the, that's been the holdup pretty much is the SEC stomping their feet throwing a tantrum because they want what they want. Well, and because everyone else felt slighted, right? Like this is a right. human business and all these right. guys saw the Oklahoma and Texas thing and felt like, oh man, we weren't made privy to this. What right. else are you not telling us? Because remember, the summer before that, they had floated this 12-team playoff. Everyone was kind of in on this. Yeah, nice gateway for these other conferences. But that Oklahoma and Texas thing and the way it went about happening yeah. all kind of changed the tenor around that because human beings get hurt feelings. And like that's understandable to me. Yeah. It even hurt the coaching changes. I mean, coaching changes started happening faster with the, the change in Oklahoma and Texas. Lincoln Riley leaves immediately. He didn't, his feelings were hurt, uh, apparently and clearly. And he even took the staff with him. <laughs> so, yeah. It just changes how, how the landscape has worked for everybody, especially with this free agency thing in the air. I think you'll see a lot more NBA style moves made in college football which is forcing coaches to be better on their end and recruiting and, and developing players because the retention of college football players on teams has diminished a lot, but hopefully it changes for the better instead of being as lopsided as it's been. So that part's interesting because you got to think like how much change college football has absorbed all at once. We have the extra year of COVID eligibility that is still affecting rosters in a way that's going to be – that's the most under-talked about thing in college football yeah. is roster management going forward based on the extra COVID mm. year of eligibility. That is well That was well-intentioned, but ultimately I don't think thought out enough to see the kind of ripple effects it was going to have, especially on high school kids. So you've got that. You've got the transfer rule portal. You've got NIL. You've got the immediate eligibility in that transfer portal. And then you have the early signing period that – to what you brought up, Malik, about the coaching changes. That's driven all that because now if you're going to leave for a job, you got to get there and start going so you can get people signed by this early signing period yeah. so you can take advantage of the portal. And that point about how coaches respond, I did the Duke's Mayo, I did the Duke's Mayo Bowl like we talked about. Background coach in North Carolina was one of the guys we got to talk to before. And I thought his viewpoint on that was really refreshing. Matt Brown's been around college football for so long. He's been a part of the media. And he said, when it comes to the portal, he goes, we want guys that want to be here. But more than anything, we also made promises to these kids that we were going to do what was best for them. And if they no longer think that's here, he goes, we haven't had a kid leave in the portal who we haven't tried to help find where he was going to go next. We check in on these guys after they leave. And that is certainly Mac. I believe it. Like, I genuinely believe. I, you know, I don't know Mac Brown super well, but I know people who do. And they say he's truly, like, heart of gold, great guy, one of the real good ones in college football. I also think he understands word of mouth is always going to be the best selling point for you recruiting-wise. And if you got guys that leave your program but leave with a good taste in their mouth and say, hey, it didn't work out for me there, but they still do things the right way over there, that stuff's always going to travel because the number one recruiting recruiting tool is always that current locker room. Now your current locker room is going to span a few more because of the way that talent's going to break out. And so the culture, that word we always use again, 
is going to be even more important that you're not just talking about it, but that you're living it as a coach and as a staff every day to show these guys, hey, I, I, I'm done. I'm not you know, done treating you like a human being and talking to you the way I did as a recruit once you get on campus. It's got to demand consistency now. Lucky Lucky Podcast. We are pleased to have Mike Golick Jr. on with us. Don't forget to follow him at Mike Golick Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. And also, don't forget, Shanae and Golick Jr. on ESPN Radio on a daily basis. It's a great show. At first, look, I'm going to be honest. When the, the announcement was made, I was like, man, that's an odd pairing. And then... <laughs> You know, the more I saw you guys work together, I was like, you know what? I like this. I like this combination. It was it, it was it was a lot of fun. I will say this just as an update for the new year. Chanae, unfortunately, because of her WNBA schedule, no longer going to be a part of the show here. She's doing a great job on NBA Today for us. New show, right. her, Malika Andrews, Richard Jefferson, all those guys. She's going to live full time over there. So now we are actually Canty and Golic Jr. from here on out. Chris Canty, Chris former Canty. New York Giants Super Bowl yeah. champion, University of Virginia love, proud who. So it, chopping it up there. But I mean, cannot say enough good things about both of them. Like, Chanae is one of the most uniquely gifted human beings I've ever met. Like, you spend time around her and you very quickly realize, oh, yeah, you went number one overall for a reason. Like, stuff just like she does something once. And if you give her a little bit of feedback, it's perfect the next time. Like, if she's never done it before, she's going to be an expert real quick in addition to being, like, one of the best teammates I've ever been around in the way that she values the group. So her and Chris are both rock stars, man. I'm super fortunate to just get to sit next to them and try and catch some of the shine on all this. And tell See, the now, now that's a that's a totally different combination I have to tap into. <laughs> you know, Chris, look, man, Chris is one of those guys you don't want to see in the hallway. Like, man. He's, he's menacing, man. <laughs> when we went so when we when we were getting ready to start the show up with chris they brought him out because he does his like from new york i'm in connecticut uh and espn's campus here and they brought us out to do like the promo photo shoot yeah, and yeah. it was the first time i had been in the room with chris chris in a while and we they like, like all right like get next to each other like do the tough guy poses <laughs> where did they make you and i just started thinking about like all the d lines he was a part of like him, Marcus Spears, and Demarcus Ware in the same draft class for the Dallas Cowboys coming yeah, out crazy. here. Crazy. Like, not okay. That's one of those things I realized. Like, you know what? Like, long NFL and career and me probably just weren't destined if they're making things like that that you've got to go block. Like, there's that uh, truly built different. Yeah, truly. So, tune in. Canty and Gola Jr., ESPN Radio. And before we let you go, Look, you talked about, we started off with you talking about arguments in the Notre Dame locker room, and you guys hanging out with Malik and, and meeting other guys, you guys are truly a brotherhood. Yeah. The same arguments follow each era <laughs> in that Notre Dame locker room. So I, we have to ask, we have a tally going, and because you're in a different era than, than Malik was, but it's the same argument exists. Same argument. Who was the best Hooper, Hooper. on oh. the Notre Dame football team during your time there? The best. So you're right about this being one of the premier arguments because the amount of times <laughs> during the amount of times it didn't even stop with our team. The amount of times in training camp where I heard our guys saying because we had plenty of dudes with D1 hoop offers in here. 
yeah, saying yeah, if we yeah. picked our best starting five, we could beat the Notre Dame men's basketball. Team. Yes, that's the conversation. Like, that's a hundred percent. If I was gonna pick one, I gotta probably give it to my. my and this is gonna be me showing my bias because he was my roommate. You know, I'm the godfather to one of his daughters, but. Kyle Rudolph had a bunch of ACC offers coming out of high school. Really? Our start. Oh yeah, I think. Oh, I think Wake Forest and a couple of others coming out of Cincinnati Elder in high school. You know, he's a yeah. six, 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 seven tight end. Those guys always kind of lend well to the basketball court. So I'll give Rudy the nod on that one. He's pretty yeah, versatile absolutely. guy here, can do a lot, and he's got the longevity on. Him, so I can see Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, being the hoop. I can see that. Get now, you know, would you like to know who's in the league? We've had eight guys on so far. Would you like Ooh, to know who right. has the most votes? All right, let me hear this. Leading with three votes so far is Mike McGlinchey. Yes. Wow, Glinch. <laughs> yes. So, see, I never got to see Glinch hoop. So, like, and, and as you guys know, like, the bookstore basketball tournament's huge. And I don't know how it was after, but, like, our guys could still play in it when I was there. So I got to see a bunch of my teammates hoop in that tournament and stuff. But Glinch came after me. Like I was there when we were recruiting Mike, and I know he was a you know tall, skinny, tight end guy coming out of high school. So that's interesting. Yeah, the wow. thing about Glinch is that he's so technical, and then Notre Dame added a frame to him. So now you got a yeah. six nine giant tackle with feet like he had when he was like what two twenty five in high school, maybe you know his freshman year. Wow, and a great a great handle. So. It was crazy to see. I could definitely see Kyle Rudolph being an all-star, being from Ohio, where basketball is just – it's just like we growing on trees out there. But in terms of just all-around dominance, Mike McGlinchey really had the, had the skill Man. for me. Man, I need to go back and look up at, like, the Mike McGlinchey high school highlight tape here and see if he's got the basketball mixtape out there. Yeah, I had to look it up. He had offers from, like, Boston College, Penn State. Yeah. He's yeah, he had one offers Damn. as well. So – yeah, it's crazy. Some, some people just got everything, man. D1 offers and hoops, going to go on and be a first-round draft pick and all that stuff, man. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's th thankfully Mike's, like, one of the best guys on earth, so easy to root easy, for with all easy. that success, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, the first tally goes down for Kyle Rudolph. We got to see. We have to get more people from your squad on, Mike. Yeah, we got to get the, you gotta get the, out. the earlier. We're looking the 2015 squad, basically. And that's how yep. Mike is building up his lead. <laughs> that is, see, that is true here because we'll get some other names involved here. Like, I'm sure Michael Floyd would like a place at the table on all this one. Pretty good mm -hmm. high school. Or Dion Walker, I think, was a pretty good jump shot coming out of high school here. So we had some dudes that could play. All right. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks for joining the Lucky Lefty podcast. We look forward to having you on down the line. And uh, is there anything you would like to let the people know that you're going to have coming up and what you'll be doing and how they can follow you? Uh, yeah, like you said, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, depending on when this posts, uh, I'll be a part of ESPN's digital coverage of the college football playoff national championship game in Indianapolis coming up here. So oh, we'll nice. be down there with a the whole crew of our digital folks getting ready to do our pregame show that lives on, you know, Twitter, YouTube, all those different spots of our digital branch of coverage. But uh, yeah, like you said, listen, while you're listening to the podcast, Canning Golick Jr., download, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. So based upon what you said, uh, you're not going against Nick Saban Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm still holding out right now, coming off that semifinal game. You have a very banged up Alabama wide receiver group here. John Mechie was already out here. Jamison Williams had the shoulder injury in that game. I'm just saying that Georgia squad you looked uniquely motivated. I know it was the styles make fights thing, but 
I've been leaning Georgia for a little bit now. I'm sure by game time, I will think better of myself and my, you know, my own sanity and not go pick against Papa Saban. Yeah, I think Stetson Bennett plays much better than he did in the uh, SEC championship game. So it should be a good one championship game between Georgia and Alabama on Monday night. Mike Gola Jr., thank you for tapping in with the Lucky Lefty podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right. Lucky Lefty Nation, man, we appreciate you guys for giving us that opportunity to tag in with Mike Gola Jr. Big time. Big time. Big time. Big time to have him on the show. Uh, man, yeah, I hope I can bet against uh, I don't think I can bet against saving either, man. I'm I'm feeling the same. <laughs> you know, Stetson Vincent definitely could play better, but it's something about in the game, outside of the game, it's easier yeah. to debate it, but in the game, Nick Saban just has that mental mental hold on some people, you know. Uh, we have a couple more super chats to get to get to, bro. Um uh, Ah, that's a lot of comments, man. We thank everybody that's tagged in today, that's tapped in with us. Man, thank you. I see LL Nation is getting that wet blanket. Yeah, we had to get a wet blanket today. Get out of here. Get out Rob in, thank you for the super chat. My dog Malik. Here we go, man. I said, don't. Yeah. I heard you try to slip in that Ohio talk at the end too. That's right, my guy, my guy, uh, Rob Norwood, best friend growing up, man, a great guy. He loves the Saints. Ian Book, Tony Jones, we blessed him with with those two players down there. Hopefully, Ian can turn that thing around, turn into the real Drew Brees. That's that's your boy, man. So when we come up for the Ohio State game, I got to get up with Rob. Yeah, I'm telling you, we all. I'm telling you, we just got to get a bus and go down there. Ohio State Notre Dame fans do the do the podcast as we getting down there. It'd be great. Yeah, I see my boy. See my boy. We can always depend on Galante. Vito. That's a Vito. Yeah. That's our flow. Pretty much. We got we got we got security up in the chat, man. Toss hey, the boys out the like court. Block them for what? We want that. He's in our territory. Get lit up. No need to block him. That's that old. Right. The fact that he's like Fiesta Bowl champs, that means nothing to us. We wouldn't even hang that banner at Notre Dame. We like wouldn't. we would put that trophy in the boxes. It wouldn't even go in the trophy case. Like we don't care about Fiesta Bowls. You know what we care about. That's it. We only hang up banners and championships. Facts. Uh let's see. This is funny. This is what he's standing on. This is how you know, you know, you're standing on sinking sand and not a solid foundation. Oklahoma State has more national championships than any other school outside of the state of California. And what? He had to he had to reach down deep in the pro football focus bag. First of all, that's not true. that nobody cares about. First of all, that's not, not even true. In California. That's not no. true. Unless he's including like swimming and other sports or something. And golf, I know they got a good, real good golf golf program, but <laughs> that's about it. Nah, you're gonna talk something, spit facts. Uh, man, 
So many chats today. We, we uh, appreciate that. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Hargarbage. Is he going pro? Look, man, the, the, the report came from the Athletic, citing the relationship and the wooing of the Raiders. And if Brian Kelly can be wooed by money, money and Vegas. Yeah. Hard to say no to that. Man. That stadium, real nice. Uh, let's see. Make sure you hit the like button. Everybody, subscribe, share, like. Don't forget, tomorrow, tomorrow, very special guest on the show. We're going to have Aaron, Aaron Kearney, former director of recruiting. He's going to come on and talk about the ins and outs of recruiting, give you a, a sneak peek. A what? In depth? Sneak peek of what was oh, going hey, on. Hey, it really won't be a sneak peek. Oh, yeah, it's the full thing. He probably gonna give us all the info. I know. Wait a minute. I know Wet Blanket isn't talking about rings. <laughs> Oklahoma State hasn't sniffed a ring in football, dude. You know, he just wants attention. Well, how many players did you have in the first and second round last year? Oh, that's right. That's right. Leave it to the Bears with a terrible GM. To draft a left tackle that already has a back injury and draft him in the second round. Only the Bears. Only Don't forget the Bears. about Justin Coleman out of Oklahoma State, the first round corner to the, the Browns. That the last time I heard about him was when they called his name on draft day. And and when he finally played, he almost got Justin Fields killed against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and was literally on the sideline in tears. And Justin Fields had to tell him, like, dude, be cool. It's okay. Yeah. That those are the type of offensive linemen you develop. Yeah, because he thought he was going back to you know where, Oklahoma. Oh, they just got a wrestling championship. Come on, man. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. We don't care. We don't care. Actually, <laughs> sitting up and talking wrestling is laughable. That's why I wanted to expose you. Because I was seeing your comments all week. So I just knew. That's all. That's all. We just wanted to let you know that we know that y'all not getting it done. Not worth it. Oh, they're going, they going academics in here, dude. Q Hibbs, 27. Dude, Oklahoma State has a 67.1 acceptance rate. We just LL LL schooling, schooling, schooling. Okay, bro, we appreciate you guys. We love you guys so much, man. Joe Krusich, I apologize if I missed this, had to step away and teach a math lesson. Uh, is there a relationship between Wiggins and Freeman that might bring him to Notre Dame from Alabama? Um, connections. They're boys. Yeah, just connections. They're both on the uh, minority. Uh, I think they're both on the board for the minority uh coaching uh association by my minority coaches in college football um marcus freeman was just acknowledged for that on yesterday and just connections and people and you know wanting to work with people that you have a strong relationship with and that's pretty much it other than that it's just marcus freeman not being scared to go to the big man to go to the grown folks table and ask for that big piece of chicken Yo, all you can do is ask. And the fact that he's interested, 
So you mean there's a chance? That's all we need. That's all you need. That's all we're looking for. Andrew, thank you so much. I don't know what Golik is and Malik are on, man. <laughs> all we're raising is for a refined palate, man. Yeah, but well, you're in the uh, early special on the uh, Denny's menu. You know what that is. That's 65 and older. <laughs> oh, man. I got Matt Anderson. Hey, wet blanket in the 11. I, matter of fact, I'm not about to disrespect Ohio State. I'm not about to say I, it would be disrespectful for me to use yeah, the letter. You can't even give Oklahoma State the three letters. Yeah, it's really only one. Letters. It's only one OSU that we respect. So That's Notre right. Dame eleven, Oklahoma State zero. You would never win a championship. Never, ever, ever. Let's see. SM, we appreciate you with these new hires and recruits under Freeman. We are most likely going to be twelve and 0, 11 and one. Redemption for an NY6. Yeah, I think we have a chance to get to an NY6 next year. I don't yeah, know about the He said 12 and 0. I'm like, ooh, we <laughs> it's really only two. It's really only two games, bro. Like we go one and one with that Clemson Ohio State. If we we split those, they it'll good. Good. yeah, it'll be good. But but winning winning 12, I like us against Bama. Like who we, you know, <laughs> we are who we can win if we win Ohio State and Clemson. Oh man. What? This is funny. Everybody was loving Mike Golick being on the show. We appreciate you all. We told you we're gonna bring you great content, great guests each and every day to get it done. Tommy Lawson, then a shout out for Malik. What's up, baby? Thank y'all for tuning in, man. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. My man is here talking about ribs now. Like, we got a better ribs than South Bend. <laughs> Not better than Frankie's in, in downtown South Bend. I don't know. Get it twisted. Oh, man. That's the first spot I'm going. Frankie's got to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be in you drive too fast, you're going to miss it. <clears throat> I'll be in the den later this month. In the first spot I'm hitting. Frankie's. That's right. Let's get it, bro. Burt tips with the combo. Let's go. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic? Right here. Yesterday was the end of an era. And I guess I'm putting Blackberry on the petty train. Because I bet I guess they're bowing out. If you have a Blackberry, I don't know where you've been the last 10 years. Blackberry was it though. A Blackberry was it. If you had a Blackberry, 
If you had a BlackBerry, people thought a couple things. Maybe you had a briefcase because you was a straight businessman. Yeah. Maybe you was in the know. You you had some secret, you know, club you was a part of because that was just a sophisticated type of phone to have, man. It is. I think that was the first computer that I ever felt like he was a real handheld, man. When they start going to the the buttonless phones, I was a little nervous because I was like, "What what happened with BlackBerry? Not the buttonless." Man, so it's petty, somebody, man. man, I might have to put Greg uh, Lisman on the petty train just for he went at Frankie's. I'll, I'll bring it up in a second. Oh, I seen that. He talking about when they can't see what happens when you <laughs> get away from the source. It thins out. It all it's not as good when you got it when you got it with the root. You know what I'm saying? When you get the, the leaves, it don't taste as good as the fruit on the tree. Yeah. You, know, you gotta go back home where it started, where they still got grease stains from when they opened and you know, some some of the like I said, you're gonna drive too fast and miss it. So yeah. if it's the less aesthetics, the better the food. Just remember that. So getting back to Blackberry, end of an era on yesterday. Uh, there's no longer support for the operating system for BlackBerry. And uh, it's an end of an era. Man, top notch. And we were talking offline like the flip. I remember when it went from the brick to the flip. Then I went, I remember when you got the chirp chirp with the next tail. You know what I mean? Then once the sidekick came out and the two ways hit. And that thing on the hip. You had that yeah. thing on the hip. Yeah. And then that's yeah. when you that's when you had to tap it with that Bluetooth. Right. <laughs> and then the Blackberry hit. And Blackberry was everything until the iPhone. Until oh, the no, iPhone. Blackberry was in the Matrix. That's how that's how tough the Blackberry was. It even made the Matrix. So all-time communication, Blackberry would probably be definitely top three. On a style point, Blackberry was it. I would agree. See, I even like Blackberry the fruit better than the apple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wait a minute. So if you put in you put a Blackberry in your smoothie before you put an apple in the smoothie? 100 percent Nah, I gotta rock with the apple with a little bit of peanut butter. Oh, okay, that's not bad if I was like, you know, taking snacks to my son in first grade, but if you know, something <laughs> get you, that gets you right, you know, fortified with antioxidants, you know, fighting all them, them, them all, whatever you got going on, get you some blackberry, man. Man, uh, hey, someone else told me to go to the original pancake house on the west side of South Bay. Yeah, you can't go to the one that's close to campus. You gotta go to the one. Yeah, the one further um, out. It's not as it's not as crowded. And someone else wants to put Bleacher Report on the petty train. We appreciate you, Jock Bofo, the motivational business banker. He said the petty story out there is Bleacher Report saying Freeman was a scapegoat hired clowns. Yeah. yeah. But that indeed is what they said. I see Bleacher Report. Let's everybody, let's make it keep it a hundred way, a hundred ways real on this lucky lefty podcast. The bleacher report is not news for the people. It's a messaging operator. It's dealt to just put out negative seeds of dissension out there. There's not really reporting no real news. Because that's an easy article to write because we lost. But I guarantee you, we won that Oklahoma State game. They would have said Oklahoma State had no chance against a great hire 
of Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Yeah, DBZ, y'all girl, get that, get the mixed sauce bread on top. DBZ is the main reason I'm going to Frankie's. She, man, she has been going hard for Frankie's, dude, day one. So I'm definitely, DBZ, I'm down in the bin the last week of January. So, and everybody, we might, we might even have to hit a podcast from out of the out of the store, right? Right <laughs> inside the restaurant, food review, Frankie's review with the podcast. They say sauce on the fries. Uh oh, DBZ got another spot. Fire <laughs> Okay, I'm definitely and DBZ definitely going out for lunch <laughs> when I get there. I'll That's be there right. for a couple of days, man, networking. That's right. Definitely. Definitely got a link up with DBZ through the Mexican and Frankie's. Yeah. Woo! Okay, Michael Park said he likes honey and blueberries in his smoothie, bro. Hey, he, yeah, it's a real solid combination right there, Mr. Parks. Now, I'm a granola dude, too. Are you a granola so dude? To the yogurt family, you know. Huh? You might as well start talking about yogurt. You get granola with the berries and the yeah, I don't. Yeah, I really don't do the honey though. So you gotta, you gotta do the honey because honey's versatile, man. You can put in a little bit of anything. Q Kids ninety seven said brew on Eddie slaps. See, that was the new Eddie Constructions. Eddie Street always had this place called Yats. Yes. Oh, undefeated, undefeated Creole spot. It was so out of the out of the blue. You know, you Creole in South Bend, you different. So right, that's totally different. It was the one spot I went there twice a week. Every time I would get the the chicken Creole thing they had with some bread, talking about some of the best food that you could have with some uh, flavor. You know what I mean? Better than Chipotle at that time. Uh, Uncle, I don't know what's up with this, Uncle Bob. Shout out to you. I see you with the Trayvon Diggs picture. Uh, Sorry, but I I guess you're trying to say I run Caleb back to Lincoln. I Isn't think you're trying to say Caleb's not that good because he got pulled against Baylor when it was only oh, back 10 to Lincoln 7. Route. Lincoln yanked to midseason, then bounced on him. Lincoln didn't yank him midseason. He yanked him again the Baylor game. Because he was playing horrible. It was 10 to 7. He was trying to give a spark to his team because they were playing bad. It didn't work. And Caleb went back in there the next day. It's like, dude, come on, man. Caleb was the guy. Everybody knew Caleb was the guy. Oh, man, he, man, he gave a super chat for Yats. <laughs> um, and number two, uh, Malik, I see you with the fresh new setup. It's the original setup. I just had to get my stuff right. But yeah, yeah, it's people that know yeah, it's really no South Bend for real. JJ's, you talk about JJ's too, don't you? Yeah, but JJ's, we got that little JJ's everywhere in the Midwest. Oh, now we turn into a full-fledged Andrew God says mm-hmm. agave and peanut butter sandwiches. If you if know, you know. You know. You know. Hey, if you uh follow my Facebook page, I repost all, all my favorite recipes. Yeah. That's all he does is post food recipes. And- <laughs> follow my Facebook page. I got all the best food recipes. 
everything you want to uh, try in your uh, your palette. If you want to update your palette, come to my profile. Demetrius Rex, reminder, Caleb Williams almost lost to Kansas, and he's still better than any quarterback in our quarterback room. Like, I, yeah, I don't care about that. We are yeah. really, we are really overthinking this, man. We're really overthinking it. At this point, he is better. If he came to campus, he would be the best quarterback on campus. Why? Because yeah. Tyler Buckner hasn't shown anything, and we don't blame him for that. He's definitely got a big nothing burger on the season for being ready, for being ready to play Ohio State. Also, very important, C.J. Williams was asked about his decision coming up on Saturday at the All-American game. It comes down between USC and UCLA. He removed Notre Dame from consideration, uh, that which means Notre Dame was still in contact and in consideration. And he said once that he said he removed Notre Dame once he found out that Dale Alexander had been fired. And he said he knew that was going to happen once Brian Kelly left. So that's why he decommitted. So you want to go to a guy that wasn't coaching guys? Ain't I'm just telling you what CJ Williams said, man. If you want to throw him on the petty train, you can throw him on the petty train. Hey, it's just, you know, it just shows he didn't really want to go there. That's know? all. Just, I said that from the jump. Just say you don't want to be here. Because you're giving lame excuses. <laughs> now, this is funny. Did you see Buckner's freshman stats compared to Bryce Young's? Bryce Young didn't play, dude. He, what are you talking about? So now Tyler Buckner is just as good as Bryce Young? Your buck. I, I think we should end it right there, man. Yeah, that's it. That's man. Yeah, it's we, been a great show. It. It's been a great show, and and man, that's it. Go start your day, man. Drink some water, cause that was best. We love you, LL Nation. We love you. We love you. But we got to end it on that point. <laughs> Y'all going too far. Based upon that, Tyler Buckner is gonna be in New York next year. He next already won it. Based upon that, come on, man. Mike Golden Jr., we appreciate you. Yes, um, sir. Everybody that tuned in today will be back tomorrow. A former director of recruiting, Aaron Kearney, will be on the show. Shout out to Bum Bays and South Bend. I guess that's another spot. Uh, Buckner is in all is already in New York as we speak. Nah, man. Nah. Must be visiting cousins. Nah, dude, has to be. Come on, man. I saw some I saw some highlights and then I saw some lame ducks coming off that arm. I guess they forget about the pick six against Virginia Tech. Look, we're not we not gonna do that. Well, he too. got extended time, point. like how Virginia Tech, you know, adjusted and he started yeah. making mistakes. Just throw that game out the window, right? Yeah, we ain't no. Throw that game out the window. We appreciate y'all, man. Like, share, subscribe. We here all day, every day. Yeah, so from a guy, the original lucky lefty Malik Zaire. We'll see you guys tomorrow, 9 a.m. Hit that, man, hit the like button. Hit it. Subscribe, share, like, Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. You should do the same today. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m.